Welcome to Stop, Back, and Roll, a podcast about replacing all of your basic moves with a halberd for every occasion. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we're starting our new year by talking about our newer games, Going Into Space and Down Into the Dungeon. So where do we want to start? I don't know. This is our first post of the new year, right? Yeah, this will be our first episode uh, that comes out in the new year, which is always kind of a little bit weird because yeah. we've we've been gone for so long. Yeah. Um, but and and last year we kind of filled that gap with a with a game jam, and I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> Me too. And we we didn't prep that, so which means I actually have a couple ideas for game jams. And people threw out some ideas. So now I have like a whole bunch of game jam ideas in my pocket. So I yeah. imagine through the year we will do a bunch of game jams now. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, it's I always find it a little tough to like time in going like, okay, I'm trying to do X project and Y project and I'm trying to get this game out. And then also, you know, yeah, let's get a game jam out also. Um, <laughs> but that might just be be me trying to figure out timing on everything. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, this will be this will be our first uh, first real episode, and so I think we're going to just continue this pattern we've been going down of just talking about the things that we're working on as we enter this new year. Kind of ride the that that like the the productivity wave of everyone's trying to keep on their resolutions and and yeah. stay on top of stuff that uh, makes stuff happen. Two K nineteen, yeah, and and making things happen together. Which I think oh, is yeah. my my uh, my unofficial official theme for 2019. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I liked the I liked the the little shift that uh, that Jeff Stormer did of uh, moving from get things done to make things happen mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with with slightly different uh, verbiage, yeah. uh, but just like aiming towards going like, hey, uh, <laughs> does it need to be a published product or does something just need to happen and change and like what do those social things involved with like getting in contact with the right person and like getting uh something planned out that wouldn't have happened otherwise and all of those pieces yeah yeah well and let's just do this to to hype somebody else's thing speaking of jeff stormer um uh he and aaron just had their their podcast all my fantasy children picked up by the one shot network yeah which is fantastic amfc is, is a cool. really good podcast yes and they have captured something crazy they really have it's it's a tremendous cre- thing people should totally check it out yeah absolutely I, it's a crime that i have not listened to enough of it oh you totally should i i, to I am more. caught up and always caught up <laughs> yeah i love it more um and both of those guys are great so absolutely best of luck to them and best of luck to uh to the one shot network for for really really landing of the big fish i think yeah yeah they they picked up something really good uh amfc is quality stuff all right so um so i've been doing a little bit of of early work on my new space game because mm-hmm. <laughs> because god forbid i shouldn't uh i shouldn't finish my old game my first game i should just start working on a new <laughs> game without finishing it well it's, um oh here wait here here it is it's new year new game we're not talking about the old game today yeah that's what it is so i want so okay so so i want to tell you about where i am in my game process great and because it's a game it's it, because it's a part of the process that i know that you have already done okay or passion mm-hmm. uh, i was hoping that maybe you had some words of wisdom where we can kind of talk through like how this process works and I so can certainly try what i'm doing right now is i'm in the like really early phase of this mission control game which i am tentatively <laughs> so i'm i'm really struggling to mission find like, everybody controlled everybody everybody names their their blades in the dark hack as something in the something okay and so, or some like, and so I'm I'm struggling to find a title that's like that, and I may give up, and I'm not really like tied to that bit. Well, let me let me remind you that it used to be that every PBTA game was, was blank world. world, yeah, and people have moved away from that. So maybe you'll just be ahead of the curve from yeah. Blades in the Dark so if I'm, instead you just go like whatever you want to name it. Yeah. 
So I'm working titling. I'm like as a, at least as a working title, I'm going to stick to the convention, and I am tentatively calling the game Moon uh, Moonshot in the Dark or something like that. <laughs> um, and so airplanes in the space, airplanes in space. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working through the like really early phase of game design where I'm not even really like I'm not even looking. Like I had spent some early time when I was thinking about this game, um, really looking at the the Blades in the Dark. Um, like resource document um looking at what that game like what the game engine did and at some point i kind of said i've got to back up and i've got to i've got to think about what i want my game to be first right and then once i've got a good and that was that was actually some advice that that dc gave me okay about hacking blades in the dark yeah which was just like Think about what you want your game to be and then find the parts of Blades in the Dark that do that and throw everything else out. Yes. And that was such a good piece of advice. And so I backed up and what I did was, and so like, I don't have the benefit, unfortunately, of probably, I'm going to guess, millions of hours of telenovela TV shows to watch. No, I have not watched millions of hours. But but there are millions of hours of, of, of telenovelas out there. Okay. Possibly, probably, possibly. Thousands Numbers are of hard. hours. Millions seems very high. Millions seems high. Yeah, thousands of hours. Definitely. But so, but they, so there's a wealth of of background stuff for you to go watch. Certainly. And like, and, and for me, the the genre that I'm looking at is a little bit more niche, um, and and unfortunately, mostly in book form. Oh um, no. <laughs> and so I I have picked up and started reading through some books. Uh, I'm currently reading Gene Kranz's book, uh, um, Failure is Not an Option. Gene Kranz is the character played by Ed Harris in Apollo 13. I think that's where most people will know him from. He's the flight director for NASA, or was the flight director for... for most of the like Mercury and Apollo missions, yeah, um, and so he he's written a whole book uh, and on on like how you on like his experiences doing that basically. And since a large part of my game is going to be about that process, I wanted to read through it. And so I'm kind yeah. of like I'm I'm going to do that. I'm going to watch Apollo 13 again. I'm going to watch Hidden Figures. I'm going to watch as many of these movies and books um, that that cover this genre as possible to kind of yeah. like look at the like what did they talk about. What are, what are the things that are important to these people who lived through this? Yeah. And then based off of that, like, what does my gameplay look like? What are the scenes that I need to have and everything? And like, build out from there, like the work, the workflow, the yeah. way that like you would kind of watch. I'm assuming you watched a whole bunch of telenovelas and went, oh, okay. Well, here are the things that happen every episode. Here are the archetypes of characters yeah. that yeah. we need to have. Here are the things that I like are basically like mandatory for the genre that I need to make sure I've got. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would be a similar thing. I think there is an added complication that I don't know that it's super clear what the structure of the game should look like for yours. That's another part of it, yeah. Like for Pasión Dos Pasiones, it was going to be structured like a telenovela, you know? (laughs) Which might sound stupid, but like if you compare like that to something like uh, Night Witches, which has like its day-night cycle... Mm-hmm. technically yes day night cycles exist in real life but yeah. like that is not obviously that is not like the oh this is so obvious way to do it that was a decision that was made that fundamentally set up how the game was going to be played mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily in the fiction that you're looking at yeah so I mean, looking at the fiction and looking at Blades in the Dark, the thing that drew me to Blades in the Dark for this specific type of fiction is yeah. that Blades in the Dark has this very, like, you have some scenes where you were talking in character um, about the kind, or, or where you're talking about the kinds of height, like, you are a group of thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, or I guess you're not always a group of thieves, you could be a group you could be a group of assassins. You could be a group. Yeah, of whatever. whatever it is. Um, and you're basically, but there's a, there's this like downtime part of Blades in the Dark. Then there's the like deciding what we are going to do for our crime, and then yeah. there is the do the crime, and then you go right. back to like repercussions of crime and downtime and planning, and then do another crime. Yeah, and then you kind of do this cycle, and that felt a very much that felt a lot like the plan a rocket launch. Yeah. 
do a rocket launch and then deal with the repercussions of the rocket launch and then repeat that. Yeah. And so I think that, and like a thing that, and so where, where, um, Blades has by default, you don't do a whole lot of like, I think you, like, Blades really encourages you to jump, like, sort of almost decide right what in. your crime is out of character. Yeah. And then jump right into it. And then, and I really want that to be in character. Like, I, like, it's important, like, every good space. Mission Control, Apollo 13 style movie yeah. has got to have that scene where everyone's at a barbecue. Yeah, absolutely. That's, like, that's like a thing that's in everything. Like, I don't know why, but it's like you need to have the barbecue scene where people are talking and drinking about the stuff that they're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. And so like, we need to have that scene. And then I really want to have a hard cut. And then like, I, I want to have like literally like a script of like the checklist of like the go, no go stuff where okay. you go through and check in with each of the different uh, stations before yeah. the launch. And like, that will be the sort of like ritual. I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about ritual recently. I don't know why. Um, ritual in games is a really cool subject. Yeah. And I, and so I'm, 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 I'm playing with that a lot of like, I know I want to have that. And so, and, and so as I'm reading this book, I'm looking for rituals and okay. things that they talk about. And, um, and then, and then we'll have the mission. And so I think that like, the way that that will play out is the the GM is playing the computer systems basically like okay. it's t- it's telling the, the GM is playing the computer systems the rocket the the crew of the astronauts who are actually in space and they okay. are telling you as the like you the players who are the people in mission control about the things that you are seeing on your screen about the things that are happening if you yeah. reach out to talk to an astronaut you'll be talking to the GM Okay. And stuff like that. And so and I'm looking for stuff like that. And then yeah. coming out of of um of the last year's Metatopia, um, I there was a whole I think we talked about this on this on the podcast before, but I did a, a very I, I sat in on an interesting panel with Jim McClure and the third act publishing crew where we actually like talked about how you design a game. Yeah. And one of the things that they talked about was like having really clear pillars of your game. Yeah. And think about like, does this thing that I'm trying to write Support work that. towards this pillar? Right. And, yeah. and if it doesn't, do I need it? Do like, do I need that thing or do I need another pillar? And then if I have a whole bunch of things and I've added a new pillar and now there's another pillar that has no things that support it, do I get rid of that pillar? Right. Yeah. And so I'm looking for pillars. And so actually like okay. I've been, t- I've been reading this book before I go to bed and I've been taking pictures on my phone and Google Keep has a really cool feature where it lets you take pictures, and then you can go in and highlight the pictures. Oh, and so I've cool. been highlighting and taking notes. And yeah. like one of the like to give you an example, I basically I, I took a note that just says like this is probably a pillar of my game. Yeah. And the sentence that I highlighted was the tools we used in the Mercury were primitive, but the dedication of highly trained people offset the limitations of the equipment. And I was like, there you go. That's solid. Dedication of highly trained people offsets the limitations of primitive equipment is yeah. a pillar of this game. That's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff. Like the first rule of mission control is when you don't know what to do, don't do anything. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how that's really going to come in. but I would uh, not recommend that for, for a like game. It, I like it as flavor text, but not yeah. necessarily a rule. Um, the other thing I, I, I like I wrote down was um, he explicitly called out um, he he descri- he defines the term workaround as okay. um, this thing that they were constantly having to do to come up with workarounds that were like when something goes bad you can't change the equipment that's out in space you've got to just work with what you've got yeah and and it's a solution to problems that weren't found in the manual in the, in the schematics it's the scene in apollo 13 where like they've got to use a sock and a piece of paper yeah. to make yeah. the filter work and that is sort of how i've been thinking about how flashbacks will work okay in like the blades of the dark has a flashback mechanic yes where you say I'm going to get a bonus to this role because I'm bouncing out into this side session where we talk about a thing that happened in the past, but mine won't be in the past. They'll just be like, we'll take a bunch of people and put them in a room to engineer something. Yeah. At least I think that's how that's going to work. And so So, I'm kind of taking notes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering a little bit if something that could be helpful is to run a game Mm -hmm. with no rules. That's true, yeah. Like, we've talked a little bit about doing this in our Minimum Viable Product uh, 
episode. episode I almost called yeah. it an issue. I kept coming back and forth between those two <laughs> words. Um, but just going through and saying like, hey, what would this look like if it was people playing it as a game? Yeah. And then like just having like a group of people that has some experience kind of going mm-hmm. in and out of character and doing what's necessary and saying like, okay, at this point I would, I, what I really want to do is X or Y thing. Mm-hmm. So it might be that we want that, or it might be that with things in like with maquettes to support the behavior that you're having, you wouldn't want to do that after all. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, that's a very interesting cause, um, when I, again, coming back to that Metatopia, a lot of things in Metatopia started jiving in my brain about this. Yeah. I played Apollo 47. The okay. It's like a card game by Tim Hutchins. Um, and it is sort of like the rules-less version of the game that I want to play. Yeah. Um, not quite. But you basically play... One, one person plays the astronaut who is kind of talking through the things that they are doing okay. uh, on... on um, on a mission. Over, over a microphone, like, wh- wh- and yeah. so, like, in that way that astronauts always describe everything they're doing. Yeah. And everyone else plays the mission control team. Okay. And it's supposed to be a little bit, like, mundane and, and weird. And, like, when I played, we got a little bit funny. Um, okay. And I'm not sure that's the right tone for my game, but we hit a lot of those same, like, ritualistic type things of, like, check in with what you're doing or, like, the commission yeah. control person would be like, hey, can you check this cabinet to confirm that the, the stuff's right? Hey, can you check that cabinet to confirm yeah. that the stuff is right? Hey, can you check this thing? And like repeating the same actions over and over again. And I think that you could almost play a version of the game that is like that. Is like that. Yeah. Um, I've gone back and forth. I'm toying with the idea that like once you get into the actual like mission, yeah. be very formulaic. Okay. Or that there would be these like ritualistic scenes you play out. Like right. there is the like the going through the checklist pre-launch, like that changes you over from pre-planning into now I'm in a mission. And yeah. Once you're in a mission, like you've got those workaround scenes where you bounce out to try to solve a problem that's happening. But yeah. maybe there's like an EVA mission where you that you do while the astronauts are in space. And then you switch to that almost like the Apollo 47 style game. Where it's like the GM is just talking as the astronaut through what they're doing, and the mission control people are explaining to them what they need to do. Yeah, um, and then like have these kind of like hard built-in scenes that you choose from to do next. That honestly sounds to me like what makes the most sense because because what you're yeah. talking about doing essentially with the game is something that hits a certain point that it becomes formulaic. Yeah, like. The building of the rocket ship, probably lots of, like, you know, of negotiation, lots of figuring out things out, lots of experimentation, lots of building stuff. But, like, once they hit launch point, they have a plan. They know what they're going to do. They've got the mission plan, yeah. And so, like, things will go wrong and things need to be addressed as they go wrong. Yeah. But the the plan is there. There's no, like, ooh, boy, what are we going to do now that it's launch time? Yeah, and I kind of want to have the game be like the game, like in in uh, in a future world where I'm producing this game. Also, yeah, the game is like a manual. Okay, and and I want to basically say here are a bu- here are a bunch of tools for how yeah. to design, like how to role play a bunch of scenes in which you design a rocket. Yeah, for a mission because here the GM has given you this mission, and then like once you've launched, here are a bunch of tools like do an EVA, do the countdown to launch. Uh, test this thing or test that thing uh, or collect these materials or something like that. Like, cause again, I want this to be interesting. Like it should be, absolutely. Uh, I don't, I don't like, I think that like, you want to make Tim, a fun game. <laughs> Tim is going for a, a much different style. Cause he's trying to make a game about mundanity. And my game is not about that. Yeah. Um, because in, I'm not sure that I'm committed to this and I'll say it again, at least once, like if this game could play Armageddon, I think that wouldn't be wildly out of out of like step for it. Yeah. You wouldn't be following the characters that are going off to the to do the space mining. You'd be following the team on the ground, helping them, guiding them through that. Right, um, which you know, that could be a matter of like a play set or something like that. Yeah, that exactly. Sticks on top. A nice thing about having like intense ritual as part of the game is it's really easy to just swap out that ritual for a different ritual. 
Yeah. My other thought is also that it's really easy to ease out of the ritual. And yeah. that, like, if you go, if you, if I start with hard ritual, and then I decide that this doesn't need to be like a, okay, we've decided as players to cut and do this ritual now. Yeah. Then I can leave some of those mechanics in and just come back to them naturally as they occur. Absolutely. You are further along in your game production, though. You're working on Rad Crawl. So, oh, right. I, I I thought you were talking about Passion for a second, and I was like, well, James, I think you're a lot further along in that. Along in that. Well, I was gonna say, James, New Year, New Game. We're not talking about Passion today. Oh, uh, it's very yeah. We're not talking about the old game. Yeah, no old games. Uh, yeah, Rad Crawl is moving along. I don't know how far I am in this game. It is a bizarre monster. I think that that is definitely the kind of game that is going to be like really hard to know when you're done. Yeah, I think so. You could just keep adding cards and keep adding mechanics, and because it's very modular, yeah, um, it's weird. And like, there's things that like occasionally I'll hit upon something. I'll go like, "Ooh, what if I make this tiny little switch to a mechanic?" And then I realize, "Oh, that will mean I need to rewrite uh, currently six cards." But uh, when I hit final, that would mean I have to rewrite twenty-two cards. Like I was, because I was considering taking a look at, um, uh, like melee combat, and mm-hmm. moving half of it onto, um, a character sheet, and half of it maintaining it on the card itself. Maybe I should make some explanations. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, first time listener. Uh, yeah, give us the the quick version of what Rad Crawl is. Rad Crawl is a. It might be like it might be nineties ish. <laughs> I'm not positive if it's going to be or not. Just rad feels it like yeah. I, I want to put a. I feel like putting a little bit of that flavor in there just because it like you know has that in the name. But it is a roguelike arena dungeon crawl, and so you are playing gladiators essentially that are going into a dungeon, and you're going in and dying. Or succeeding and like, you know, fighting against different monsters. And it is a card based, powered by the apocalypse. It is a card based, powered by the apocalypse legacy game. <laughs> so you have a deck of cards that changes as you play the game. And so each time you go through, you die and your cards improve. And then those cards get redrawn and re randomized next time you play through. So it's supposed to be like a little, you know, probably hour hour and a half long game maybe shorter if you get unlucky <laughs> near the beginning and uh you just go through and die a lot and yeah. it's uh it's like definitely got like a little bit of a like an maybe extreme sports or esports sort of vibe to it also uh yeah it's a good <laughs> and it's so it's dumb thing. it's so specifically me uh mm-hmm. and it's very weird to be writing a game that's like Yes, this is a dungeon crawler, <laughs> but I promise it's not what you think. Uh, yeah, so what I've currently been doing is working on basically a little minimum viable product deck, mm-hmm. which is 25 cards long. Oh, really? Only that many? Yeah, only that many, because basically huh. what I wanted to do is go like, hey, what is the what is the legitimate minimum I could do? Yeah. Because um, I have no idea if this will work or not. Mm-hmm. Let me open up my card index because this is a game that has a card index. Do you have a card catalog? Do you have a, a Rolodex? I don't have a card catalog or a Rolodex yet. Maybe you should get a Rolodex. I've got so much math though. Do you have a binder but- with, <laughs> with sleeves? <laughs> um, that's tempting. That's tempting. It would. Well, there's a possibility <laughs> that it'll, that everything will have to get upgraded to tarot cards. Yeah. I don't know if they make tarot card sleeves. They definitely do. They, they've got to, let me right? tell you right now they do <laughs> i can tell you for fact for fact do. um so the minimum viable product deck is five weapons two sets of armors two accessories two consumables eight monsters three events two bosses and one announcer yeah that sounds pretty minimum and also very viable hopefully <laughs> um and so basically, I've made almost all of those. Um, That's crazy. I think currently my math says that I've done the first run of 19 of them. 
but I have a little torn up piece of paper that I can show <laughs> you on the camera, but other people won't be able to see that I like recorded one day and just kind of like wrote stuff down. Yeah. That has an additional five cards, meaning I'm at 24 cards out of the 25. Mm hmm. Um, that's pretty and close. Yeah, they're in a format that I could also like print them and play with them, although not <laughs> in like not looking pretty at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what and, I did for a space between. Yeah. And then the only thing I need to do from there is um is come up with the character sheet. Yeah. Because as much as I wanted to put literally everything on cards, it started to become a I started to realize that people were going to have to create multiple decks of stuff and like go yeah. through the cards and separate stuff out. And I was like, no, no, this is not the kind of game that I want people to be worrying about stacks of cards. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Items is a category room cards is a category and then boss monsters and announcers. Mm -hmm. So there's only four categories of cards. Yeah. Uh, which should make it a little easier. And like, you'll have few announcers, few boss monsters. Yeah. Like, I didn't want it to be a thing that it's going like, oh, now you have to separate out backgrounds yeah, and you're, character you're species. Mostly and have, you mostly have two types of monsters and items. Yeah. And everything else is like, here's the two announcers I shuffle off at the top. And exactly. The, like, the couple other things I want at the bottom. Yeah. Um, and so my hope is that we can get a playtest of that relatively soon. But I, what I kind of need to figure out now, just in terms of like development and like what I'm trying to get done is making the character sheet. Okay. Cause that has been a little funky. So let me ask you this before you tell me anything else about this game or anything else that you've thought about. Yeah. Um, so in terms of a typical playthrough of this game, maybe not like, cause I imagine your first playthrough, you don't have that many cards because again, yeah. it's a legacy game. So like, um, you haven't upgraded anything. You're just playing through the basic level. Like maybe you start with one item. I think we talked about in the past, but on a on a on a more standard like the second or third time you've played through, yeah. How many cards do you see a a typical player having in front of them? Uh, so that depends upon whether they've got items on them or not. Yeah. Uh, what? So there will definitely be. So like, there's kind of cards that are like slots for cards mm -hmm. that like you still need to have a move so like even if you don't have a weapon we still need you to be able to make attacks right right okay and then there's also things like um like an accessory slot right okay that if you don't have an accessory you, you don't have a move there yeah so do you have i sorry are, so are there non-item cards that you would have on your character sheet did you end up going with like class cards or whatever? I think currently there isn't because that was okay. just going to be a separate Another category deck. because that would yeah. just be a new thing. You can kind of build classes through having items. Yeah. And like there might be things that like simulate a class, you know, like if you like getting something that's like a paladin shield yeah. or something like that might make you like a paladin. But you get a, you I don't pick want up a holy it. symbol and it lets you turn undead and do yeah, the and so like cleric, cleric thing. Exactly. Like I don't want it to be a thing that you're going like, uh, oh, I, I don't think I want it to be a thing that it's like, oh, I am playing the rogue. Mm -hmm. I think I want it to be a thing that like the majority of your talents kind of come from being drawing what you've drawn. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, like, so you're mostly looking a, at ideas. There's a part though. of me that's honestly considering making it so that like. Uh, character ancestry from like the whole D and D style thing is just like nothing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not positive because there is still also a part of me that's like, yeah, but, but I want to be a kobold and get someone for being a kobold. Yeah. Um, but that well, is obviously. That's where out. I think we had talked last time about some of that might come out on the playbook. And yeah. Like, that's what I've having been a playbook at. lets you do that. Maybe. Yeah. Where you have the Cobalt playbook. Because then, because also, like you were saying, the playbook probably also defines your basic moves. Yes. And so you could have a generic one, and then you could have the Cobalt one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, whatever. You know, the yeah. two classes, generic the two, and Cobalt. <laughs> there are only two species. 
Generic yeah. and cobalt. <laughs> yep. Oh, we found the two genders. <laughs> Generic and cobalt. <laughs> uh, okay, well. Yeah, this is that's just science. There's only two genders. Makes sense. And those two genders are generic and cobalt. <laughs> so then, okay, so then how many, I guess, working backwards. So, okay, let's get back to that. Let me finish you, actually. <laughs> let me let you finish answering that question of how many, <laughs> how many cards do you think a player will have in front of them? Oh, right. Um, so here's, here's what I'm looking at um, with my little, my, uh, scribbled drawing yeah i think you have a weapon i think you probably have an armor and like there's a possibility and then i think you probably have some kind of an accessory Mm -hmm. and maybe some consumable stuff okay so it might the consumable stuff probably don't have basic moves they're probably fall into the category of accessories yeah like I mean, like, I want I want you to have a little bit of space on your card. It might be that there's a second accessory slot that you can have. Like, Yeah. Like, well, I, I was like figuring it- that accessories would sort of sit next to... Because, again, I am still picturing a version of this where the it's an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper yeah. uh, held, uh, like, regular paper style yeah. that has, like, an outline of a person, and you're putting <laughs> the cards on the, the paper. Not always on it. But, like, maybe, mm-hmm. like, the armor sits, like, square in the middle. But then, like, if you have a, a weapon, it sort of hangs off one side versus or the other side. Yeah. And then the- things like consumables or accessories would just sit next to the playbook. So yeah. So you can see them, but not... They're not covering it, anything. That was something I was considering. Yeah. And then I started thinking about, like, how to make it so that there aren't just a billion, like, suppositions by the character figure that's on it, right? Yeah. Like, it's very difficult to draw or find a character figure that doesn't put expectations upon what the character will be. Yeah, you that's know? fair. Like, obviously, I want people to be able to choose <laughs> uh, any gender, generic, cobalt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. End, of, end of list. Those are but the even, two. But even those sort of, like, incredibly generic just like rough stick figure that i'm imagining still has implications that like the character has two legs what if i want to play a centaur yeah and like so being like this is getting so off of gaming (laughs) of gaming in general but like when people draw figures like even stick figures uh if they're going to attempt to like show that it is a feminine stick figure Mm-hmm. they change the stick figure. Yeah. Like there's like a default, there's a default that is not good and, and crappy yeah, and bad. Is like- that is an assumption of masculinity. And that isn't, and because especially because we're in fantasy dungeon crawling. Yeah. I don't want that to be the case. And yeah. I don't want people to not be able to play like a feminine or non-binary or, or any other type of character mm-hmm. they want to play, or a character that doesn't have an arm, or a character that is short, or a character that is tall, or a character that is is heavy or thin, or anything like that, right? Like you said, you so you said a moment ago that you think that that's getting a little bit away from game design, but I think that's definitely part of game design. Like, yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's definitely like you are thinking about the design of this game, and you are imagining the kinds of characters that you want to see in the game, and that you're hoping yeah. people will want to play. And you're looking at the at, at like stick figures, going, "I'll never be able to make a stick figure generic enough." Yeah, to encompass all of the different things that I want people to play. That's so definitely I'd either I'd either need to be able to provide an absolutely abnor- enormous amount of characters. Yeah, which is which would mean we'd be looking away from paper and towards like a digital thing, which yeah. I don't want to do. Yeah, uh, or it would need to be it would, like it just it's I, I it's, think it's not feasible. Unfortunately, yeah, which is fair. Yeah. So okay, so now you're talking about less like a an anthropomorphic uh, like gingerbread person with slots <laughs> for cards, which is kind of what I was thinking. Um, and now you're talking more about just a list of basic moves that are like card slots that the cards just yeah. sort of sit on top of, and that's fair. Yeah, I think so. Um, so they're definitely. Uh, so what I was kind of looking at is having. Uh, like a space that has your base attack 
like, you know, your attack mm-hmm. that has a weapon that goes on top of it. There's probably some kind of a defy danger move just because I have such a hard time picturing like it's it's very difficult to do a PBTA game that doesn't have a try not to get killed by X thing. Especially when you're in a dungeon fighting Especially monsters. Especially in a dungeon fighting <laughs> monsters, yeah. Like, that's gotta be there. And, like, should that be modified by armor? Probably in some way. Not really yeah. sure how yet. Yeah. Or, like, by, like, a skill you pick up. Like, you know, because you got the, you got the rogues, the rogues cool pants that let you defy danger in a slightly yeah. different way. Um, And then, so those both need to have cards that can cover text in case you're you don't have an, a weapon or a, or an armor yeah. or something right yeah yeah i think you also need a discern realities and spout lore mm-hmm. that i think i don't want to have on cards okay because i think it feels a little weird to be like oh i'm exploring in the dungeon and now i found a book yeah and i can spout lore so much better now <laughs> yeah I stuck my head in this hole in the wall and it poured knowledge into my brain. Yeah. And like, admittedly, all of this feels very weird because it is <laughs> so weird. <laughs> um, but so I think that spout lore and discern realities, if I have those two moves or like learn about a situation or give knowledge about a situation, like the, that question asking moves, I think need to exist on the sheet. And maybe should change in some way related to the type of character you're making. Whether your playbook is the kobold or whether your playbook is the bruiser. Like, I feel like that is someplace that things might be able to change. Yeah, yeah. It would also, it lets you give the characters, those are the, like, interact with the world type things. And that's where you can change how the different people interact with the world. Like, if you have a cleric. The cl- or like if you were going to make classes be the yeah. playbooks well like a cleric is going to interact with the world differently because they come from a school they've they've mm-hmm. like if, even just at a very basic level like they've probably had some education they've yeah. learned some rituals in a way that if you're playing a character who is like a just a, a common uh like a, like a farmer a farmer yeah. isn't necessarily going to have the education they'll have different like they, they will see things about the world that are more like the things that farmers know how to do and yeah. so and, and the same with like barbarians and fighters and warriors and all that stuff yeah um and, and i think there is that is very interesting and so those yeah i can see those being set and not covered up yeah um just because like then you it, it also lets you feel like you're reading the world differently right like what you see is different and that often is what is interesting about the different uh about the different like character ancestries anyway yeah it'll be different and it'll stay different yeah exactly because you know you can you can have your dwarven stone sense thing essentially in there because it's one of your questions Mm -hmm. um and stuff like that you know Hmm. and like whether that works or not is maybe yeah. a question. Uh, but I think also I can then have like two accessory cards, right? Mm-hmm. That are like your active accessories. They're the things that you're using right now. And then maybe some space also for consumables. But the accessories, the consumables, those are things that can hang off. Yeah. Um, like you could, I could have like a little thing that has like, you know, a little space that says, that says accessory, and it shows you where you should put your accessory card, that's and it like can a, hang off the page. That's the board game thing of, yeah, you say accessory, and there's a little like, little bracket on the bottom of the card. Exactly. Like, yeah. And those are not covering anything, so they can kind of be a little bit more freeform. Exactly. Um, and, like, I could even put in something, like, uh, like that could allow me to give different, uh, different character types different access to accessories. Yeah. Like, you could have, like, a tail accessory. for for creatures that have tails i like that and have like you know like maybe like certain weapons maybe some like small daggers or something like that could be tail weapons Mm -hmm. uh admittedly that i'll need to come up with characters with tails other than kobolds (laughs) yeah now i'm elves probably have tails now i'm thinking about brandon this is dangerous i should not (laughs) add more things to your minimum (laughs) viable product now i'm thinking about um 
uh, druids and wizards and characters mm-hmm. that have familiars and having yeah. a familiar slot where you basically capture one of the monsters you just fought and now it oh, follows that you around as a familiar. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Um, well, but the nice thing is, be- I'm trying to make the game in a way that it is expandable, right? Like, yeah. I could have a, I could have an expansion that is like, hey, familiars, the yeah. expansion. I really like the idea that they're not a different thing, that they're just like, there is a class of monster that is like small enough to yeah. get to be a familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a, well, a, like so a like, companion. Yeah, so it, what that would probably do is something that like adds adds in some way a way to make like some mechanics for getting a familiar, right? Yeah. And then it adds a bunch of monsters. It, it yeah, it adds a move and then or it gives you the play like like that yeah, that expansion would be the couple of playbooks that have familiars with yeah. a, a default move that does get covered up by a monster. Uh, yeah. Here's how you like here's the move that you when you try to like tame a monster or or domesticate an uh something or other. <laughs> Um, I don't yeah. know what the right word is. Capture, so, capture a capture, Pokemon. Yeah, capture a Pokemon. Um, <laughs> throw a Pokeball. <laughs> then you get to use this monster. Mm-hmm. I definitely want a Pokemon trainer version of this game now. <laughs> Brandon, this game needs a Pokemon trainer class. Should I go ahead and look in my planning cards and add uh, a yeah. Pokemon trainer? Yeah, you're going to need that, I think. That's important. I don't think we're going to get away with this without having Pokemon now. Uh, well, I'll look down under my expansions. I've got my my Underdark, my Latinx expansion, my Bard expansion, all my fantasy children, uh, specific requests. I think uh, yeah, I think un- a Pokemon expansion. Go ahead and file Pokemon under specific requests. Uh, I don't know. I think that sounds like its whole own expansion, <laughs> to be quite honest. A ton of small monsters that all want to fight each other, and they're very elemental. Yeah. Let's see. When you Maybe turn your hat this. backwards... Pokemon expansion. <laughs> there we go. It's time when it's time to duel. Perfect. Added. Um, but yeah, like like so that's what's been really fun about designing this game is that I can just like say, "Hey, this is something I'd love to do. This mm-hmm. would be so much fun." Like uh I and I can just be as ridiculous and self-serving as I would like to be, you know? Um, I do, I do want to pause for just one moment because I think that that is a very good game design lesson, which is, and is, and is a sort of side benefit of the having a very clear minimum viable product, which is that you say, Mm -hmm. what is the thing that is my minimum viable product? How do I get this to a point where it's playable? And then as you are doing game design, you will inevitably come up with things that are sort of like a little further afield from what yeah. you're talking about and where like you could chase those rabbits forever and, and you'd never finish. And, if, and yeah. if you just write them down in a, in a place, you keep chasing the minimum viable product and you have this yeah. huge list of things you can come back to. And then once you've got the minimum viable product, then you start to polish, you start to expand and then you look over at that other list and go, okay, how many of these things are still will apply now that I've got this version of the game that I like and runs and can play and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And just worst case scenario, you go, okay, well, ultimately, James, the Pokemon thing didn't work. But you know <laughs> what? We can use this core uh, card build, a card, like card based PBTA engine that I built, and I can make a Pokemon game because I need to yeah. change enough that it's not this game anymore, but that's still a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um, and like, you can just kind of, you can just go and add stuff. And you can mm-hmm. feel like, oh, I added a thing. And then if you ever are getting stuck, you go like, all right, I want to put out an expansion. I want to try something new. My dungeon has been stale lately. Um, what can I add? And like, look at my list and see, oh, uh, someone requested a fairy tale expansion at one point. All right. Sounds cool. I know what to work on now. Mm-hmm. This is also so weird. This is the least indie game. This is either the most indie game or the least indie game in all of creation. Because I'm like, yeah, it's D&D 3.5. It is the nightmare of D&D 3.5. Yeah. Although I feel like in some like weird, bizarre way, like if, 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 Passion is all of your best instincts of game design. This is all of your like dark instincts of game design that you're just kind of giving into all in one. This is your like, this is your survival open world crafting game. 
Oh my god, it totally is. That's awful. <laughs> but it's so good though. That's like, but those are there. It's extremes, and extremes are interesting, even if they are terrible and, and oh nightmarish. My god. I love it. It's so the good. worst. This game, this game, like, will either appeal to nobody and be like literally <laughs> unplayable. Yeah. Or it will make me my first like, you know. Yeah, it'll be my, a my huge first million. Hit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there's like I think that there's there's I th- I would say that I don't think that it's unplayable. I I think your failure state here is just that it like it just becomes a game like not to trash on Munchkin, but Munchkin is a game no, yeah. of, of numbers where it just sort of like okay, it plays. It, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's just like like it's these like, numbers all happened in this order, and so the yep. Um, yeah, like kind of like oh, we just we sure did just spend that time. Yeah, like I think that that, I think that it'll, it'll definitely do the thing. Yeah, but is that thing interesting? I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm, my guess is it's gonna work well, but I I feel kind of good about it to be honest. Do you want me to go through some of the cards that I've been working I on? I do. I do want to know some of these cards. Yeah, is that boring or no? No, no, no. I want to hear about them because I haven't checked in since that first or second stream you did. Oh my gosh, there's a lot more now. Okay. So this this also kind of gives like an idea of what is happening, right? Mm-hmm. I was trying to make things that were like pretty iconic. Um and so like just because I say like this is a dagger, that yeah. doesn't mean there aren't other daggers. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the dagger is probably the best example actually because I the dagger I made is a uh is essentially like a vampiric dagger. Ooh. Um and so like it is about stealing people's health and it does sneak attack damage and stuff like that but it isn't it isn't as i don't i might take away sneak attack damage from it to be honest (laughs) um but like it isn't the dagger that is about i'm gonna take away sneak attack damage this doesn't make any sense (laughs) it's not the poison it's not the poison one it has the option of having poison as its damage type but it isn't like the damage over time thing right but like clearly there should be a dagger that is a damage over time dagger because that is thematic and wonderful. Right. Um, basically like, you know, if people that are watching that watched critical role, (laughs) you know, you gotta, you gotta have your vampire dagger. You gotta have your poison dagger. So I've got that. I have a short bow, uh, that is a little generic. It should, I should improve it. Um, but it's kind of, it gives, uh, it, it, it helps allies to get out of a bad spot. It's kind of like meant to be an, a short bow that like you kind of like you okay. fire into the melee and it's like, whoa, this is a big surprising thing. Generic feels pretty minimum viable to me, though. It's pretty. Yeah, exactly. That that it's, is part like, of what's a, going on with it. It can always just be a placeholder that you replace with something more evocative. More interesting. Later. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I have a wizard staff. That uh, does offensive magic. I'm trying to rework how offensive it works. I'm not thrilled with it. What? <laughs> just curse words and magic. Just, just, it's just offensive bad magic. words. Yeah. Um, smells. There's a battle axe that most that like just hits really hard and leaves you open. Cool. There is armor, f- and so that's my weapons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's also a, <laughs> a, a sword. Good list. There, there's a short, there's a short sword. Or also, I'm not 100 mm-hmm. sure what to do with it. Okay, yeah, you um, gotta have something. Yeah, there's, there's got to be a sword. It's what exactly a sword does that's interesting on its own. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know I want to at some point have like a dueling sword. Yeah, that like re- is really good about getting you one on one and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's a capturing uh, threat or product. something. What capturing threat or something like that. Yeah, something like that, definitely. Weirdly, um, whenever anyone says short sword these days, my like I know there's like the generic short sword that is in D and D. Yeah. But my two the two places my brain goes for short sword are um the Vikings had short swords. Okay. Um and uh I think of like the Roman Gladius. Yeah, I've been thinking of the Gladius also and like trying to figure out what is interesting about that. Yeah. On like a fantasy <laughs> level. It's just very versatile. Yeah, yeah. Which like versatile is fine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> this this is the problem is that like all of like 
the reason that D&D was able to have a thousand halberds is because they were all exactly the same. Yeah. You um, and so I could, now I want you to have a card that's just a thousand halberds. A thousand halberds. <laughs> Sounds like an event card. Um, there's scout's armor, which is about dexterity and it gives you, makes it so that you can like sneak into a room and then get out. Um, and also like gives you a little bit of defensive stuff. There's knight's armor that lets you challenge people one-on-one. There's a holy symbol for, um, for turning undead. There's a scroll that is theoretically meant to buff things, but potentially instead makes things vulnerable. (laughs) Uh, there's a potion that has that has healing properties but also maybe kills people yeah um i've got a burglar's trap uh i mean a burglar's pack to try to like bypass locked doors and traps these are all good things brandon this is good i i think this is gonna be good um what else have i got uh I'm, i'm looking at my bad little sheet right now um Oh, it looks like it looks like the sword I designed was the keep attention on you sword. So that might be the front thing for the minimal vial product. I did, that's the one that's making the most sense. I did take a screenshot of you holding up that piece of paper. Oh, and good. I posted it to the Discord. So <laughs> if you were listening to this episode, you can go back and look at the Discord to see when I posted that picture and figure it's, out exactly when we recorded this episode. It's awful. Um, it's such a good picture, I've, though. I'm sure it is. I've got. You couldn't have told me so I could turn on my pretty light and look all fancy. Nope. Um, I also have monsters. I have yeah. skeletons. Cobalt skeletons basically are just generic monsters. Yeah. Bandits that target the richest player. Cobalt. That's good. Thank you. That's really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, kobolds that are a horde. And so instead of fighting them until they're dead, you fight them until they're terrified and run away from you. <laughs> um, ghosts that are not affected by non-magical items, Ooh. Um, which means the first couple times you find ghosts, you run. Get, yeah. Uh, or get messed an, up. <laughs> yeah. Um, an owl bear, which it turns out is not copyrighted. Oh. Somehow. So owl bears, we've got them. Um, and they kind of like grab on and just destroy like whoever Ooh. they grab onto. Um, so I do have this uh, George Louis Borges is uh, the book of imaginary beings. Nice. Oh, definitely got, need one of those. It's got like <laughs> so <laughs> many that things. Some of these weird. are probably very like very specific, but yeah. some <laughs> like some like one of these things is an animal dreamed by C.S. Lewis. Um, but there's a spherical animal a six-legged antelope a bahamut um a basilisk a a behemoth Um, yeah like with the monsters i have no idea what the what people will want with them like i'm trying to make it so that i don't have they're gonna want to kiss them they're gonna want to kiss them uh well i've got good news with that actually for the announcer i'll talk about the (laughs) announcer i'm really thrilled with her um like, I don't know exactly what people are going to want with the monsters, and I'm still kind of, yeah. like, there's a lot of balance questions with the monsters, too. Yeah. I currently have no idea if the monsters are, like, deadly ridiculous <laughs> or, like, super, super pushovers. But that's why you've got to get that minimum viable product so you can play. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a gelatinous cube, oh, which is cool. also not copyrighted, it turns nice. out. And instead of it attacking you, when you become engulfed, instead of having, like, a base attack... Instead, it just engulfs people as a move. And when it does that, you roll plus constitution to avoid drowning, burning, and being stopped. Nice. Uh, There's giant spiders that poison you. Uh, I have the events of treasure treasure chest, mimic, and healing altar. A lich boss and a dragon boss that each give a boon when you defeat them and have an effect in the rooms leading up to them and stuff like like yeah. that. And my announcer who uh who is like essentially Pasión de las Pasiones, the announcer. <laughs> um uh I currently I currently have them gendered as as she, but I I don't know exactly what's going to stick around. Yeah. Um 
but I have like tags on them that are like showy and charismatic with a cheerfully bloodthirsty disposition. <laughs> you get a plus one when you when you have a card when the tag showy applies. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that means yet. Yeah, it's but just a thing. weapons have showy. Like weapons have cards. I mean tags. Weapons have tags, so like probably there would maybe like a cape or a whip or something like that would be showy. Cool. And you roll minus one when you're facing showy opponents. Oh. Uh, so if you're fighting, like maybe bandits should be showy. I don't know. That feels <laughs> potentially right. Or the opposite of showy. Or the opposite of showy. Depends um, on the bandits. That's true. Um, definitely there should be showy opponents for kissing. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, when you share a moment of intimacy for the camera, roll plus charisma on a hit. <laughs> uh, she'll heal you for 1d4 health on a 7 to 9. Uh Wait, on a seven to nine, they also introduce a hidden threat. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, oh, telenovela, so telenovela, so the announcer. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I, think, I think we've probably got to wrap things up now at this point. Yeah. But I love this game, Brandon, so much. I love it. I, I'm sorry. I spent so much time just like going through the cards, but no, I'm, I, I am really happy. With I think them. it's good. And um, there's another 75, like... Have I planned out all 75 other cards? No, I've planned out like probably another 50 cards. I haven't written them yet. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, there are three other, there's two other announcers, there's six other bosses, there's so much stuff. <laughs> That's good. I I need to test it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, Just so that I can figure out what, if anything, and it works. Yeah, well I want to play it, so... Awesome. Sometime. Let's try to let's try to plan that. Set that up. Yeah. 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 So let's see. What else? Um, do you have any other final sort of thoughts? Um, I want to say if you can think of a property, a book, a movie, especially movies, um, TV shows that sort of cover the the that Apollo 13 hidden figures style of story where it's about the people on the ground while astronauts yeah. go up in space. Although Apollo 13 definitely covers the space stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. Send them to me because I just can't find, I need more. Um, <laughs> and this reading through this book is great, but it's very slow going. Um, yeah. So movies would be good. So that will be how you guys can help me with my game design. And if, if you want to help out with Radcrawl, um, tag me or stop hack and roll with hashtag Radcrawl to give card suggestions. Yeah. Um, the I'm trying for the base set to have like, you know, pretty normal stuff. But uh, Brennan says, looking at a list that includes uh, Parasite or Plague Ooh. and Rust Monster. Those are uh, fair. Those are normal. Those are, no- you know, normal things. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, basically, the, the more I can build up ahead of time, the easier it'll be for me to like release the main thing. And then say, oh, and here's another 25 cards that are <laughs> yeah. this other expansion. Play with yeah. all the 125. Have some fun. Yeah. So the best place for you to reach out to us to talk about those things is still definitely Twitter, where you can find mm-hmm. us both at, at Stop Hack and Roll, or I am individually at End the Meltdowns. And I'm at Dr. Captain Cobalt. You can find all of our episodes and links to some of the games we've been working on at www.stophackandroll.com. Um, if you have... Uh, I guess longer format stuff you want to talk to us about you can find us uh, or you can you can reach out to us uh, using email uh, where at either James or Brandon at stoppackandroll.com if you like the show and would like to help other people find it uh, consider giving us a rating and review the rating and reviews on iTunes especially help us out because pretty much everything just scrapes from iTunes and five-star reviews Put us in people's suggested podcasts. And that should, really helps us out. We should be in Spotify, too. I think you can find us and rate us in Spotify as well. That might be another uh, avenue of fun reviewing for people. That could be. Um, we make this podcast and our other podcast, Protean City, if you haven't heard of it, um, with the support of our Patreon backers. We'd like to welcome some new backers, uh, Christian Guanzon and Finn as well as thank our old favorites for su- continuing to support us. Um, Michael Bowman, Richard Kurtzlandry, Alice Tobin, Lon Neidermeyer, DeFool Dude, Jimmy Rogers, and Rob Harvey. 
If you'd like to help support this show and future shows, check us out at patreon.com slash stop, hack, and roll. And if you can't support us financially, you can support us emotionally and by being a part of our community, uh, sending us cards, sending us stuff, talking about your game design. Oh my God, we love talking about listening to hear. uh, We love hearing about what games you are designing because like, there's just too much game design for the two of us to do by ourselves and so we've got to like offload it to some of you people um (laughs) and if you can come and talk about the games that you're designing then uh it gives us it gives us ideas for episodes it gives us things to talk about it gives us uh, a way to communicate with you it gives us the common language of game design um and so a great way to become part of our community is to join our discord which is you can find at tinyurl.com slash shr discord or at discord.com or discord.stophackandroll.com. So as your space shuttle catches fire and starts falling down towards Earth instead of its ultimate destination to the moon, and you look all around you and find that all you have at your disposal is a necromantic knife, two kobolds, and 1,000 halberds, Don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. naturally as they occur absolutely so oh. that's where i am with that basically um, i'm sorry i just got like this horrible chill good oh. so just walked to my grave of, of game designers past yeah <laughs>